You're listening to Run Hard, Mom Hard, presented by Treeline Journal and hosted by Nikki Parnell and Steph Moniker. We're here to listen and share stories of motherhood and life from the trails from mamas who run ultra marathons. We hope to be a resource and encouragement to all moms who continue to show up, run, and chase their dreams even after having kids. It's not easy, and we'll talk about all the hard and real parts that make up this crazy lifestyle. But we're also here to celebrate and inspire each other to keep finding their inner mom strength that allows us to show this sport new levels of grit and show our kids that so much is possible. Welcome to another episode of Run Hard, Mom Hard. This week, we have Jesse Morton Langhaug. But before we get into that, Steph, how are you doing? I'm doing good. It's been really nice here in Minnesota. It's been like consistently 40 degrees and like not super, not super windy, um, pretty sunny. So it's been nice to be able to be outside and like not have to be so bundled up. Um, All the snow is gone and I really like snow. I like having snow on my birthday, but it's just... um, it's been really good and it's been fun. Aaron's been home a lot more. He's been coming home earlier and he doesn't work Fridays mostly now. So we get a family day. Um, I guess the girls still go to daycare, (laughs) but he works on projects, but then he's home when they get home and they're super excited to see him. They have way more fun with dad than with mom. (laughs) (laughs) The next thing supper and then bath time and then bath time and whatever. But um it's just been it's been really nice having extra family time and we finally got all of our Christmas decorations up and our Christmas tree is up and we did a gingerbread house with the girls last weekend and went and looked at Christmas lights and it's just been so fun especially now because Joanna's like understanding like what Christmas is and she's just getting so talkative and yeah she just loves this time of year it's just Mm -hmm. so fun Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? Uh yeah. Uh doing good. Um so this weekend we got to head out of town for a day and we drove over to Eugene. Um Chase had a race, which was really fun. It was really fun to just be at a race. And oh, you know. Cool this year um 25k so nothing major and only took you know under two hours so that's um and yeah it was just it was fun to kind of be over in the valley because bend is really dry and there's sagebrush and juniper and and blue skies which is good but then the valley it's it's nice to get over there sometimes because it's so green and there was fog and it's just you can like feel the oxygen over there. You can just smell it and feel that there's more of it because like we're at a higher elevation here. And anyway, so it was just nice. Um, we got to go to Chase's old stomping grounds because he's from Eugene and he went to school at U of O. So yeah, had um, his favorite Chinese food and yeah, mm. it was fun. And yeah, coming back over the past, we we past um like Oregon had a ton of wildfires this year 
mm-hmm. which is pretty well known at this point. But um, there we got to actually see for the first time a lot of the devastation that came through some of the towns, like just house after house was just gone. And um, and the only thing that would remain would be like the chimney. And oh. it, it was just it was sad. I mean, just miles, like 30 plus miles of black forests and um, houses that were down and there would be occasional houses that would were fine and then their neighbors were just weird level so it was so odd um and really sad so I was just very thankful that we had a warm house to come home to yeah after after seeing that it's just kind of devastating so but um, besides that, it was a great weekend and, um, and then also just with pregnancy, um, I'm like finally starting to have runs where I feel like I have to pee all the time and <laughs> just, it just, I just, I think I naturally carry at least with Bellin and then I guess maybe this one carry them really low. And mm-hmm. so everything's just starting to like feel low, even though I'm only 17 weeks, 18 when this comes out. But, you know, so I'm just trying to, like, keep going. <laughs> and that might get yeah. harder with each day. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you're taking it as it comes. And I'm so proud of you. You're doing awesome, even though, I mean, you feel like you're struggling. But I think you're just doing so good. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Trying. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by Exoskin. Exoskin is a running apparel company that makes seamless running gear with their special rapid dry copper technology that protects runners from chafing, blisters, hot spots, and odor. Yeah, all of their products are 100% made in the U.S. Some really incredible athletes have used them. Nikki and I got sent some 4.0 mid compression bottoms with a mid rise waist and some socks and I wore them for my 50k they were great I didn't have any I mean I had two little blisters but it wasn't a big deal they went away the next day um the shorts have some ridging but they don't ride up and they're not like so tight that you can't breathe like you still are able to move um but they they kind of keep you all tucked in. <laughs> mhm. Mm-hmm. Which is just what us mamas need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So today because it's December, Christmas is coming. Um we have a discount for our listeners. There's an extra little bit off because they're having kind of like their winter sale. So if you go to exoskin.us you can shop around. Use code TREELINE, which is T-R-E-E-L-I-N-E, for 25% off your purchase. Mm. Yeah, and that's only around for a couple more days. So if you're listening to this right away, I think it goes away on December 15th. Yes. Right? <clears throat> yep. So, And by supporting Exoskin, you're supporting Run Hard, Mom Hard, and it means a lot to us. Yes. So go shop and get somebody a Christmas present. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We all know, we all know that you have runners in your life, maybe yourself that needs something for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone's like me, I have to buy my own Christmas presents because I don't give a 
So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So this week we have on Jesse Morton Langhaug. She is an awesome woman, mom, teacher, mm-hmm. and runner. She just recently this year won Moab 240 miler in mm. three days and eight hours. So for you, which is 80 hours, nine minutes, 42 seconds, which is incredible. And, but what's even more incredible is that her story is a lot deeper than, oh, she's just an ultra runner. Yeah. No, she's also had an, an incredibly like daunting, crazy journey with health. Um, the last gosh, 20 years. Yeah. So she said she was, she said in the podcast that she was 42 and right. Mm-hmm. And her health started when she was in her mid teens and she yeah. dealt with it for 10 plus years without it being diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Oh. Eventually, she got diagnosed with Lyme disease, and she wrote a book um, called Defying the Odds, and she's very inspiring. Her message is one of hope for other people that are going through similar situations. Um, it's just, it's really awesome. I'm so thankful she shared this story with us today. Yeah. So, enjoy, <laughs> enjoy. and give it a listen. Hi, Jesse. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? <laughs> We're good. Good. Excited to be here with you um, and hear your story. If you wouldn't mind, could you do give a little intro on who you are and what you do? Sure. So I'm from Canada. I grew up in Southern Alberta, um, kind of the Lethbridge, Alberta, and over even into Montana, kind of Glacier National Park area. So super beautiful by the mountains. Um, I grew up on a ranch, so I spent a lot of time um, outside and and all of that. We would go on camping trips and horseback rides. And every summer, my mom would take us to Lake Blaine over in Glacier. Um I actually graduated from Whitefish High School because we moved around quite a bit. I went to five different high schools. And um, now I live in Utah. So I'm in Sandy, Utah, and I'm a full-time high school teacher, uh, science. So I teach chemistry, regular honors and AP. And then I also um, teach yoga at the high school as well. (laughs) Um, I have one daughter. Her name is Olive. Uh, I'm the youngest of four uh, and I'm 42. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so how did you end up in Utah then? Uh, well, my mom's American. And so she kind of was always like, she, it was kind of always ingrained in me that I would just go to university in the States. And we were living in Montana at the time. And so I'd applied to a couple of different schools, but it was sort of a goal of mine to not get into debt when I was in college. So I went to my first year at Montana State in Billings, and I had a freshman scholarship there. And then it ran out um, at the end of that year. And my dad's side are LDS. And so they were 
really like, you should apply to a Mormon school and you should come live in Arizona. And I was like, I don't really want to live in Arizona. So um, I kind of applied to BYU to like get them to stop bothering me. (laughs) So I applied to BYU and they gave me a scholarship to attend and so I was like, well, I guess I need to go to Utah then. And so I went to Utah like the day before school started and it was a total culture shock um, in Provo. And I thought about transferring after that one semester, but I'd already lost quite a few credits transferring mm-hmm. from one university to another. I thought about going to Victoria and studying um, entomology, but I didn't end up doing that. So I busted out my degree in two and a half years and got a job right out of um, BYU in Salt Lake and West Valley. So I went like total extreme because um, West Valley is is kind of a poor area and it had a lot of like Title I and ethnicity and stuff. So I, I really enjoyed that. Um, and then I kind of toyed back and forth, like, do I want to move back to Canada? And then I'd go back to visit my family at Christmas. And it was just so freaking cold every time I got on the airplane. And I was like, I have become a wimp when it comes to cold. So I think I'm just not quite ready. And then when I even considered moving to California one year, and then like that same, um, time I met my husband. And so it was just, I just think Utah is the place that I'm supposed to be because every time I say I'm going to leave, I, something happens and I end up staying. So, and I actually, I like it. Like we live pretty hugged into the mountains, um, on Wasatch Boulevard. So it's really close to like little Cottonwood Canyon. And I can be to so many different trailheads. Like I'm smack dab in the middle of two. And then if I want to go up to, you know, big or little, it's probably like 15 minutes. So I'm really close to mountains. And then if, you know, I want to go train in Southern Utah, it's only like a three and a half, four hour drive. We have a lot of like national parks and, you know, it's kind of like, it used to be anyways, this little hidden gem because even Salt Lake, it's, it's not a big city. I mean, our, the whole surrounding area is pretty big and definitely our traffic is getting worse. But in terms of like, it's not like a Chicago or a New York or a Boston where your downtown is like ginormous and it's really difficult to travel from point A to point B. Like, I mean, I live on the complete opposite side of the valley that I work on and it only takes me a half an hour to get, you know, so it's, I mean, if you were in California, it would take you like three hours, you know? So there's, there's some really big benefits to living in Utah, if you're outdoorsy and I am, so it's, it's nice. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I, I think we've only really explored around, um, well, oh, well, okay. So first of all, I just have to add this park city. Um, I was looking at your ultra sign up. Your first one on there was North face 50 in park city, which that was my first 50 miler. Oh, that's so fun. And, and that in that year I was there, we were there together. <laughs> Oh, yeah. that's great. Wasn't that a year? Like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Let's just do four half marathon loops. I know. And like put everybody on the same loop. So like you are slipping and sliding and running into people and just like, 
you know, I signed up for that race because I love mid mountain. Like I love Deer Valley and that whole thing. And I was like, this is awesome. Cause I pretty much will go from park city over into Deer Valley. We'll be able to explore a bunch of different trails that I haven't done. And like, I was kind of coming from more of a road background and then I was already like scared to death because I'm the first ultra to do 50 miles, you know, oh and yeah. then they're like, um, yeah, huge snowstorm. And if you're wearing shorts, we're going to highly recommend you put pants on. Uh-huh. And do you remember when they're like, and if you feel like you want to drop to a lower distance, we're going to let you do that free of charge, <laughs> like five minutes before a race start, you know, and I'm like, like great. <laughs> Um, um, should I, you know, and so I'm like looking at my husband, I'm like, should I do it? And he was like, I don't know. This is kind of up to you. And, you know, and I was like pondering and pondering. I was like, you know, I signed up to do 50 miles. I'm going to freaking do 50 miles. Exactly. And those four fifty Ks, they ended up only having to do a marathon. Can you imagine how upset you'd be? Like, yeah. we're going to take off like the ultra part of you. And then your 50 milers. Like, we're not going to make you run 50 miles. We're going to make you run 52.5 miles. Exactly. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, and and a lot of the people I was running with were really struggling with the whole loop course. And, and so most people that I was running around were like, yeah, we're going to drop. We're just going to do half of it or whatever. And I'm just like, this is just... Um, a little tough, like mentally to, for that to be your first 50 miler and be like, well, maybe I should drop or I don't know. It was, it was bizarre. It was bizarre, but I was glad I I finished it and you did too. So that's good. And yeah. (laughs) It ruins me for like looped courses because I've sort of like strayed away from them until (laughs) I did Orca's 100 on yeah. in February because that's four loops of a 26 mile you know loop and that one I didn't I mean oh my gosh that one was so hard but that loop I didn't mind as okay. much so even though I think that would be a super hard loop because that one loop is very long and you have to do that four times yeah. like <laughs> oh my gosh especially that one they had they had like so much flooding the week prior and it was really, really cold. And so there was washed out areas that you had to like go through up to your knees, practically mm-hmm. with frozen water. And <laughs> to know that you had to keep doing that. Yeah. Like, oh no. Okay. The water's coming. Like, I think I was wearing all like Gore-Tex and I still changed my shoes three times, changed my shirts four times, maybe it was even five to like, I think three different pairs of pants. I was soaked, like soaked to the, there's a picture of me and I have like my Gore-Tex pants, my Gore-Tex coat and a like rain thing over top. Like it was, it was crazy. It was, well then like every loop, the mud just gets worse. (laughs) So it's like, it doesn't get easier after you're, you know, used to it. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's, that's insane. And that's just a long time to be out there doing anything, let alone in really bad conditions. Yeah. Yeah. But can you tell us how you got started running? Yeah. So, um, like I, I probably started 
seriously running in high school. Before that, it was kind of like when I went and I lived with my dad in junior high and and I we did this like it was a really small town, so we could do lots of things that you couldn't do in a like a regular city. Like we could, it was also in Canada, so ice ice skating is huge, but we had an ice skating rink across from the school, so we could just like cross the street and go ice skating for gym class and mm. you know and they had us do like a run test and it was like the worst thing ever and I sucked at it and I was like why would anyone do this and then my dad sold the ranch in Raymond where I was going to school and we moved out to where I grew up in Warner in this ranch and um there was like nothing to do and it was so boring and I needed an escape And so like one day I was like, I'm just going to go run down the gravel road. And so I put my dad's long johns on because it's Canada and it's cold. And I was like, (laughs) I put his long johns on and I went for a run and it was like, it was so peaceful. It was like, it was dark out and there was nobody around and it kind of just, it kind of just planted a seed. And then I went back and I moved with my mom and we ended up going to Texas. And so we moved to Corpus and we lived in an apartment building that was across the street from this like ginormous fitness center. Mm -hmm. And in Canada, we didn't really have like big fitness centers like they do in the States. We have these little like rec centers, little gym, like it's nothing big, but this place was just like massive and it was beautiful. And it had like a swimming pool and a track and a weight room. And and I was always there. And I just was like, I freaking love fitness. And then we moved to um, Whitefish when I was a, a junior. And um, it's a mountain town. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to try cross country. And so I got on the cross country team and quickly just rose to the top and just like fell in love with running. And I remember going on our first like 12 mile run. And it, I mean, it's whitefish is a pretty small town and you're surrounded by mountains and trees and it doesn't take much to get out on the, on the roads away from everything. And, and we were running on this like gravel road and there was this ranch that had this sign and it was the name of the ranch was tranquility. And I was like, I felt just so amazing on that run that like at 12 miles. And I looked up and I saw that sign and I was like, I just want to hold on to this feeling for like Mm -hmm. ever. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I got sick right before, um, state my senior year. Mm -hmm. And so I had to take a, a break from running for a bit. Um, the only part I didn't like when I was in high school is I, I got so freaking nervous at the meets, mm-hmm. like yeah. the starting line, I would get like the worst nauseous stomach mm-hmm. and like, I would, I would do really good in practice, but then come meet time, like I would get so nervous that I would make myself sick. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, so I didn't necessarily, when when I had to take a, a break from running, I that's the part that I didn't miss. Like when I moved to um, when I moved to Billings, and I was just still kind of running on my own, and I ran into like I was running along this 
street by the university and I ran into the running coach and we just started running together. And, and he was kind of like, you're a pretty good runner. Like, how do you feel about running on our cross country team? And you should come join us and blah, blah, blah. And, um, I think cause my senior year cross country was just not awesome. Just, I mean, I'm sure you're going to get into this, but that's when my Lyme disease was like bad. And I was just, didn't like everything was shutting down and there was just a lot of, a lot of pain and everything. And so I kind of was like the balance that I have right now where I can run when I feel good and I don't, when I don't feel good and just kind of like how I can balance all this stuff. Um, I'm just going to kind of roll with that. And looking, looking back with my high school students, when they like talk to me and stuff, I was like, I, I really wish I would have said yes to that coach because I feel like a lot of, a lot of things I've learned on my own through research and, you know, mistakes and all of that, which I'm grateful for, but I feel like I missed out on that, like coaching aspect Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. maybe I could have been better had I have had a coach in those really moldable years. Um, and then, so I took, and then things just kind of kept going in and out. It would usually be, you know, I'd start running again really well. And then, um, my joints would hurt really bad. I'd feel like I had a lot of arthritis. And so I'd have to stop. Like, I felt like my knees were like bone on bone and my hips would ache. And I'd have like, after a run, I'd have a hard time, like walking up and down the stairs. And so, um, I decided to like stop running and got more into cycling and weightlifting and, um, all of that. So, and then I kind of, once I started training, like being, I would turn into a group fitness, uh, trainer. So I like you're in that environment and I was asked to be on a Ragnar team. And so, um, that was, that was kind of fun, but I didn't like train a bunch for it. I was like, Oh, I'm a good runner. Like I can just, I can go and run 15 miles, like big deal, you know? And I like, you should probably train a little bit more. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so I did, I did Ragnar's and, um, and then I got, like really into yoga and Kalari. So running was really, really sporadic for me, but, um, it was something that like, I always loved. And I felt like, like with Lyme disease, it running was the hardest thing for me because of like Lyme disease really affects your joints and it really affects like your digestive system and your like endocrine system and your circulatory system and just like kind of like all your systems. And for me, it was like super, the circulatory system and just arthritis and all that. Like I just felt so bad. And there were times that I would just wake up and I was like, I I can't, I, I feel awful today. You know, I feel like I've been hit by a truck. And, and so um, running is really demanding on your body. And it was something that like, like I could sit on a stationary bike and try to keep some fitness and like you're sitting and you're moving and you're trying to get your, like you're, you're still exercising, but when you're running, you're putting like so much impact on your joints and it just requires a lot more energy. So, um, I kind of was like, well, I guess I'm just can't run, you know? And so I would like, I'd look at people you know, outside running. And I was like angry, you know, cause I was like, that's, I want to be doing that. And every time I 
go to run, I just, I, I hurt, you know, like my joints, everything hurts. Um, and then when I started teaching cycling, I was like, yeah, I would love to do a triathlon, but I don't think I could do the run, you know, like it was always the run that was like, I don't think my body can handle that. And, and then, um, when I got pregnant and had my daughter, I was kind of like, you know, if, if I can have a kid, cause from teenage years on, um, I was kind of told not by medical doctors, but just by like different people and everything else. They're like, you're, you're never going to be able to have a kid because I didn't have my period from probably age 14 to 20 something, because like your body, it has to give up. Like if you've got stuff going on, your body is going to say, okay, this is survival. What do I not need to produce? And it's usually like the hormones, the cycles, like all of that. Plus when you have parasites that like eat all of your nutrition, then your body doesn't get the nutrition and therefore it shuts off the non-essential stuff. So I didn't have a period for like six to eight years. Right. Um, I mean, maybe like a little sporadic, but a long time. And so I was just kind of always thought I'd never be able to have kids. And then, um, and then when I found out that it was Lyme disease, I was kind of almost afraid because what if you pass something on? Um, and Can you pass something on? only if it's active when it's in the womb. So yes, if you have an active case and you're currently pregnant, then I know of like, I had a student years back that had gotten it from his mom when oh. he was, um, in the womb. So, but it's, it's always in that it's in your head. Like I spent, I've spent a lot of years in, in, in pain and all this stuff. And that is the last thing that I want to give my kid, you know, but, um, anyways, so when I had her and I had a really bad delivery, like 48 hour labor, like just awful. Right. Um, so when I had her, I was like, dude, if I can have a kid and I can go through labor, like I can run a marathon. And so I started like training and I didn't tell anybody, like not even my husband, because I was afraid of failure. Right. Like what if, what if I can't do this? And so it wasn't until like I had gotten back from a 10 mile run that he was like, what are you doing? You know? And I was like, well, I think I want to run a marathon. And so I ran my first marathon four months after I had my child. And then I just kind of kept going from there. And, and now I'm like, I love to test my body. Like I love to test its limits because I was told for so long that I had all these limits, right? Like when my doctor found it at like age 25 and it was very chronic, he was like, you have to be okay walking through life. Like your body is so damaged. You won't be able to ever run a marathon, you know? And so I, I've always had like these, these limitations I felt. And even when I was in high school, like in order for me to run for cross country, I had to go to the, to the doctor's office every week and I had to be weighed in and I had to get my hemoglobin checked all the time. And I had to like, there was constantly all these things. So like in order for me to run, I had to weigh so much and I had to have such a high percentage of body fat and a high percentage of 
of iron and just all these things. So I was just constantly like limitations, limitations, limitations. And so now I'm kind of like, where are my limits? Like, let's test them. Let's test them. Let's test them, you know? And it's, it's really freeing. Like, that's what I love about running is like, I can, I can, I live, I mean, this year and just being a teacher in general, it's stressful. Like this year is like the worst for teachers. And I don't think a lot of people know that or understand why it's so bad for teachers, but it's like, we're expected to do so much more. Like you gotta, you have to have everything completely online. Plus you have to be like face to face. Plus you got to work with those kids that are quarantined all the time. Like there's like three lesson plans for everything you know, and it's just, it's so draining to constantly like, yeah, people wear masks all the time and stuff like that. But you know, when I, when I go home, my work doesn't stop. Like I have emails are constantly coming in. And I think because we went online during spring and it was like, I was readily available to my students all the time and you kind of have to be. Mm -hmm. And so like, I have, I've had conversations with a parent at eight o'clock at night that can't figure out canvas and we've got to figure this out, you know, and it's like, it never, it never leaves when you leave the classroom. So, um, I have a lot of stress and, you know, if I didn't have running, I think I'd be a freaking basket case because I can be like, okay, I, I need some me time. And I say this all the time. I'm like, I need me time. I need to like, I need to go in the mountains. I need to just, just be by myself. And it's, I love it. Like I love spending time with myself and not having expectations and limitations. And you need to, you know, you need to turn here. You need to go there. You need to go this fast. You need to go this fast. And it's just like, it's just my time to just be. And I even played around with a a coach um, like a year ago. And just because I felt like I was always coming in third place Hmm. and I was like, and I think a lot of it was mental too, but I'm like, I want to, maybe I need a coach to make me a little bit better because obviously I'm missing something. Um, cause I've never had a win. So, um, I played around with a coach for, you know, I think like two or three months and I didn't like it because it was like, you got to do this, this day, this, this day, this. And I was like, it felt like a job. And it felt like one more thing that I had to be like, go this pace, go this, do this. And like, did I get faster? Absolutely. Did I become a better runner? Yes. Um, But it wasn't enjoyable because it was just like, I lost the freedom to do what my body wanted to do that day. Yeah. It wasn't you time anymore. Exactly. So, um, that was probably like a a huge tangent, but that's kind of like the whole, like how I sort of got into like the running and even like now, like just cause I, I love to test my limits. I love to see what my body will do. I am pretty mentally tough and I love spending hours with myself. That sounds so weird, but I just like, I, summer times, that's the huge benefit of being a teacher is summer times, like dude, they're mine, you know, and there'll be times where, you know, and it wasn't a COVID year that I could drop my daughter off at like a lifetime camp and she would have fun all day. And I would head to the mountains and I would be out for like six to eight hours. And it was just, it was awesome. I would put together like, 
I'm like, I really love this trail. I really love this trail. I'm going to link it in one big loop. And, you know, it was just, it was awesome. So wonderful to me. (laughs) me I love the songs. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. So Jesse, I'm curious about, cause I just, you talking about limitations and always kind of being monitored really close, told what you could do or can't do. Um, how did you ever like believe those limitations? And, and what was the point where you were like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like get back into running. I'm going to, you know, what, what did that transition look like for you? Yeah. So absolutely. I, uh, believed the limitations like, um, for example, you know, my pain body is really big, meaning like I can handle a lot of pain. And so I think that the most visible thing that my parents could see and all that was like, when I was in high school, I, I dropped a lot of weight. I ended up graduating and I was 78 pounds. Like I was little because Lyme disease, parasites, I was allergic to everything. Um, there were so many things that I couldn't eat. There were so many things that made me sick. Um, I had migraines all the time. I had, um, extreme anxiety. I had constant chattering in my head. Um, like I had, you know, obviously I've talked about the arthritis and the pain in the body and all that other kind of stuff. So, um, I lost weight plus I was, you know, exercising. And so people look at, and you know, I'm 42. So we're talking about when I was like 16. And so all of a sudden they're seeing, Oh, you are, you've gotten into running. You're really, really thin. You're anorexic, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, when I graduated from high school, my parents, because they love me, like I, I have nothing against it. They're great parents who love my family. Um, and they were worried as any parents would be, you know? And so they, um, admitted me into the psych ward at, in Calgary. And, you know, I remember like, it, it's kind of one of those things that you like, you kind of just throw up your hands and say, okay, because I'm 17 years old. Like I don't, I'm not an adult. So, um, I got admitted into the psych ward and the, like the doctor comes in, he's like, can you tell me what a typical eating day looks like? And when I was in high school, like I did so much negative self-talk mm-hmm. and I, like I hated the way I looked like I wore baggy clothes because I couldn't stand how I looked. I used to run from my bedroom to the shower to avoid the mirror. Like I, mm. I, like I would tell myself all the time, like you have, you like, look at your skinny, ugly body. Like I was not one of those people that I'm like, I'm fat. Like it was like, I knew that I was holy skinny and there's nothing I could do about it. You know, like I hit the gym, I tried to lift weights. I was like, you know, so much that I dislocated my shoulder when I was in like the 11th grade, you know, like I took weight gainers, like 3000 calorie weight gainers, nothing let me put on weight. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like, you know, something's got to change what I'm doing's not working. So, okay. 
So they admitted me into the psych ward and, um, a doctor came in and asked me what a typical eating day was. So I told him and he was like, kind of looked at me and was like, you don't know a feeding tube. So we'll just prescribe you bed rest and 3000 calories a day. And I was eating five meals of carbs, 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 like so much, like, you know, cause I, I'm still like, look, it's really important to me that I don't eat meat. I quit eating meat when I was 13. Meat doesn't settle well with me. Like I, I, I'm not going to eat meat. Um, and so they were really accommodating that way. Um, so in order to make up those extra calories, it was like, you don't get one baked potato for lunch, you get two and it needs to be eaten, you know, and like, we're going to come in and we're going to weigh you like every three days. And if you don't meet weight, like you're going to be bed rested again. And so it was just like, it was awful. It was awful. How long were you there? Oh gosh, it feels like six months, but it was probably like two months. I don't remember. I really don't. I'm pretty sure August through October, because I think I got out um, pretty close to the holidays. So I took the first months off of school. Um, So it was, I, I was either... I was either in there till August, till October or November. Um, I didn't stay in the psych ward that entire. So once I met, I don't remember what the weight was. Maybe it was like a hundred pounds or something. So what I, once I met that weight, then they moved me to an inpatient um, mental health unit. So, cause they were still like, they had tested my thyroid. It was fine. They had tested like the normal, you know, what could it be? And everything came back normal. And so there was like, I don't know what's wrong. So we're just going to say it's an eating disorder. And so, um, I was then in a mental inpatient where I could actually like walk around and I could play ping pong and I could, you know, participate in group therapy sessions, which is, I know it works for some, but it was like, I just, I feel like it was, who, who are you going to blame this on? Like, it was, it was just like making up stuff because I'm like, this doesn't apply to me. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, did I, did I have some tough things in my childhood? Absolutely. You know, my parents split up when I was five and, you know, there was like, there was some stuff, but it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't enough to give me an eating disorder or whatever it was, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, And so then when I, when I left and my, we also had like a one-on-one therapist and the one-on-one therapist was like, said to my dad, like, you know, you, you really have to trust your daughter because she knows her body and, you know, she, 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 you got to trust her, you know? And, um, but every time, like my parents were constantly looking at my weight because it's still, and and people were like, you have an eating disorder, you have an eating disorder. And so there was times that I was like, I guess I have an eating disorder. So I'll just yeah. say, I have an eating disorder. but like, I knew I didn't have an eating disorder because I didn't have, like, I ate, you know what I mean? Like all the time. And I never once thought that I was fat. It was always like, God, I'm so ugly. Cause I'm so skinny, you know? Um, and then and yeah, like I loved to work out because it like, it brought so much circulation and endorphins and like, you know, things that made me feel good when I was like always in pain. Mm-hmm. So then when I went to BYU, it was that same thing. Like people were constantly looking at me and constantly being like, 
why are you working out? You're too thin. Like what's wrong with you and blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, I was so happy to freaking get out of school and to like move out and to kind of just do my own thing. And then I started researching on my own and I was like, you know, I have so much pain in my joints and I have so many, so many issues with like digestion that I just started searching and searching and searching. And I was, it was like, you know, I took lots of herbs to cleanse and I juiced everything and I did wheatgrass and I tried raw diets and I did organic diets and I just, you know, food elimination and just all these things. Um, and then I went to uh, a stomach doctor, a gastroenterologist, and he's like, you have Crohn's disease because you're, you have eight ulcers in your ileum, like your whole digestive tract, like it's, it's awful. So let's throw you on steroids. And I was like, does that mean I'm going to gain weight? And he like looks at me and like, yes. And I was like, I'm in, you know, <laughs> like, oh my like, so I'm popping these steroids and I'm on all these medications and I'm like, it's not working. It's not working. And he's like, would prescribe more. And I'm like, it's not working. Um, and then there was this one time I couldn't even freaking get out of bed. Like I, crawled to the kitchen just to get water. Cause I'm like, I, I have to hydrate somehow, but I was in so much pain that I couldn't even like walk to the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I've got to do something else. And so they said, well, there's this, you know, you can get, I can't remember what the IV is called, but it works really good for um, arthritis. And it's also shown good results with um, Crohn's disease. So I was like, all right. So barely able to get out of bed. My roommate drives me up to the LDS hospital and I take this IV, which at first they're like, you're so dehydrated. We got your saline up. So I felt better with the saline, but the drug didn't like fix it for very long. Um, So I kept like, you know, going to all these different doctors and like nothing was, was helping. And I was I was addicted, not addicted, but I was like popping prednisone as like, it was Tylenol. Cause it was the only thing that would like help my pain to be able to like function. Um, and then I decided to go holistically and I worked with like, I, I, I freaking tried everything like really gross stuff too. Like the parts where you go and they, they pretty much like flush your entire digestive system with water and then they release everything and you know like um energy workers and just every type of voodoo thing you can imagine right and then I (laughs) found this one lady in Harriman and she you know she, she was she gave me the most relief um and sometime during this time as well like my thyroid also ended up uh stop working. So it was literally attacking every system. And so, um, she did, you know, a bunch of like, you're, you can, you can tolerate eating this, but you can only eat it so many days a week because then your body decides it has an allergy to it. And so then you got to do this and let's try these herbs. Oh, well now your body doesn't let them like them. So let's do this. And, you know, and I, and I even went to my uh, regular doctor to test the food allergies. Cause she's like, you got a lot of food allergies and I never had food allergies. And so he did a food allergy test and it was literally everything. Like it was like peas, 
broccoli, lemon, garlic, onions, almonds, like everything that you could possibly imagine. Like they're like, yeah, you're allergic to this. Oh, it was, it was pretty awful. Um, and, and that's from the, the Lyme disease, Lyme disease. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> so then this lady that I kept working with, she was like, you know, we've been working together for a while and I just can't figure it out. Like your body has like two different energies. Like one tells me you want something and then the other one tells me you want something else and they're very conflicting. So um, I just found out about this doctor and I'm going to send you to him. And so I went to Post Falls, Idaho, and he was a medical doctor that had turned into a natural path because he was tired of traditional medicine, just treating the, the tip of the iceberg. And so he was actually like, he was so intelligent. He worked with doctors in Germany and all these other to create these drugs for like Lyme disease and cancer and all this stuff. And, um, so he found it like the first time and I, he, he tested my pH, he tested my saliva, my, my urine. I, I was fasting. Like I had to give him a urine sample and a saliva sample and then fast for, I can't remember how many hours, if it was like eight or 12 hours and then go in and do it again. And then he like ran it through all of these machines and he like pricked my blood and I saw like bugs swimming through it. Like it was, it was really gross. And he was like, you know, um, you're one tough little sucker because most people that come into my office in, in your condition can't even get out of bed. Like the fact that you're walking in here, you know, is, is pretty impressive. Um, and so we started treatment with him, which was all out of pocket because natural medicine is not covered. Plus it was yeah. out of state, you know, but I mean, I owe my life to him. I know I do. I, I, your whole story is like mind boggling. Like I can't, yes. I'm just sitting here like, oh my gosh, how is that even possible? Like, how did it go so long that people didn't know? Cause I feel like it should be, or it has become like a more common thing, maybe not more common, but like people know about it. I know about it. And like, how did doctors not think that that was something that it was? Well, this is like, what, 25 years ago, you know? So, and plus it, I, I wasn't on the East coast. So like, it wasn't a big thing, you know, (laughs) what was also kind of funny is like, so once I, (sighs) Like I, yes, I went through the treatment, but like, I was really embarrassed of my story. I never wanted to tell people that I had Lyme disease because I always viewed it as like this weakness. Like I'm, I'm like lesser than you because I have all these like weaknesses and I, I still have so many issues. Like I still have so many digestive issues and just like, you know, stuff. Um, and I get migraines all the time and like I still definitely have issues. Um, but I, I don't, I don't view it as like a weakness anymore. Um, but the reason I mentioned that is because when I was like, dude, I should write a book because you know, like just, just if I could help one other person, give one other person like inspiration or strength or, or whatever, you know, help one other person. And then when I like had the thought, there were so many more stories that came up about like Lyme disease and runners with Lyme disease and just all this. And it was almost like the universe speaking to me, like, yes, 
you need to, because now that I've wrote the book, I don't hear the stories anymore, you know? So it was kind of like, yeah, you need to get your story out there. And, um, everybody's, everybody's story is a little bit different. Like everybody with Lyme disease, that's the other thing too, is it, it attacks differently. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think because it was like, it masks itself. That's why it's, it's like, it's so smart. I never had the rash, you know, like Mm -hmm. parasites are freaking amazing, amazing beings because they mask and it's like, Oh, well, you don't have the initial rash. You don't have like the initial fever, whatever. Um, we're just going to slowly overtake your body and shut certain systems down. And so people start checking like, Oh, let's check. You have digestive problems. Yeah. Let's get you in for a colonoscopy. Oh, you have eight ulcers in your ileum. Well, that's diagnostic of Crohn's disease. Here you go. Yeah. You know, Oh, not Crohn's disease. Well, I can't figure it out. So let's call it spastic IBS. Oh, well, that's not working. Hmm. You've got, well, let's call it rheumatoid arthritis. Oh, well, that's not working. Let's call it like, you know, Hashimoto's disease, which I mean, yeah, I've got Hashimoto's cause I've got the thyroid and that's like blood work. You can see that, but it's like, you know, there, there's a reason that my blood iron was, was low all the time. Like there's a reason that I spent so many years of my life anemic. There's a reason that even today, like from the time that I first was anemic as like probably 15 and like my body does not absorb certain minerals. It doesn't absorb certain elements. It doesn't like absorption is, is a big thing for me. And so like, even though I would take iron, my body wouldn't absorb it. So like there was a time I went in for an iron transfusion just because my iron was so low. So it took up until probably like two years ago to, for me to find an iron that actually works and my, my, my iron levels are normal now, you know? So it's like what works for, and every time I would go into a doctor, I just be like, look, I'm not your normal case. Don't treat me like I'm your normal case. And everything that you tell me, I'll probably be able to like combat. And because I've done a ton of research and I know a lot of chemistry. And so like, talk to me on your level. You know, yeah. <laughs> just, and so that's why I love my integrative physician because we've worked together since I've been like 20 years old and he knows me and mm-hmm. he's like, Hey, well, this thyroid medication isn't working for you. Oh, well that's because your body doesn't convert. So we need to get you we need to get away from the synthetic. We need to put you onto a natural one. And then like when I had so many miscarriages, it was like your thyroid, you got to like, you know, get your thyroid in check. If you get your thyroid normal, well, then you won't have as many miscarriages. So I went to a thyroid specialist and she's like, we got to get you off the natural. We got to get you on synthetic. And I was like, I'm not kidding. Within two days, I'm like, I can't get out of bed. My legs feel like tree trunks. I'm swollen. I got to drink three cups of coffee just to get ready. Like just to get in the shower. Like this isn't working for me. And she's like, oh, but your blood looks great. My blood could look great. I don't feel well, you know? And then my mom was like, well, I wonder if you just need to wean. So maybe you need to like alternate. So then the following day I took my natural thyroid. Felt awesome you know, and it was like, it would literally was a switch. And so I'm like telling my doctor this. And finally she's like, yeah, I don't think your body converts. We need to keep you on this, on the natural. I'm like, 
I wish just listen to me, you know? Yes. There are times more than they, they think, you know, it's like, you know, your body, you're in it. You can feel it. You need to just like stand up for yourself. I've had to do that with my kids too. I'm like, no, there is seriously something wrong. You just, you need to. But one thing I keep thinking about is like, I'm sorry. I, how did you not go insane? Like, because you're always having people not know what's wrong, you know, there's something wrong, but it's like, just not, it's just nothing's working. And, and then, I mean, I don't know, I would feel crazy. Like I, I would be like, I, I think maybe I am crazy, but, but there's all these things that are like very real symptoms that you're living with. It's like, you are, you are so tough. Yeah. for getting through all of this. You have proven that it's not, you are not weaker because of this. You are in fact, a lot stronger. And I see that now. I really do. Um, and I mean, how did I not go crazy? Like I spent so many years of my life being sad and being mm. angry and being like withdrawn and just, you know, and there, I, I hate to admit it, but there were honestly, times when I was like, I, I prayed to be taken from this earth. Like I was like, I'm like, I can't, can't do it anymore. Like I'm, I, I'm done, you know, but I think like, I, I do have a belief in a higher power. And I think that there was, there was just, there was something like moving me forward, you know, um, and I always, I, I talk about like the universe talking to you and things like that, because like looking back and I see little things in my life that was moving me mm-hmm. towards answers. And like, I, I just, I'm not one that settles. Like I have to keep, if there's a problem, I have to try to keep fixing it. Like I'm a problem solver. Um, and so I'm like, yeah, you doctors and you people can be telling me that this is all in my head or that this is anorexia or that this is Crohn's disease or that this is something, but like, I'm going to keep searching because I believe that like, I I don't, I don't know. I just kind of like, I had a reason for living, I guess. And I, um, and then I think I got into like, when I got into yoga teacher training and I went to India and I spent so much time by myself and I learned the value of self-love to where like, I can actually like, I love who I am. And, you know, like the whole like 30 days of gratitude, like my gratitude yesterday was I'm so grateful for self-love because for so many years I didn't love myself. And now I can honestly say like, I'm kind of a badass. Like I've through <laughs> a lot and I'm really mentally strong. And I have, you know, like even a colleague that my husband works with, she got COVID and she got really, really sick. And mm-hmm. she read my book and she emailed my husband, just said, I just want you to know, like your wife's book really got me through because mm-hmm. like it helped me so much where I felt like I was on my deathbed and she gave me hope. Like, that's what I'm looking for, you know, mm-hmm. and some of my students have read it and students from last year 
And like Thanksgiving, one of my girls that I had last year, like sent me an email and she's like, I just want, you know, I'm thankful for you. And you're such an inspiration to me. And, you know, there's a reason there's a reason I was supposed to go through all of this. And I know that Mm -hmm. Um, it's only made me stronger and it's only made me more grateful for being able to, to be who I am and to run and to like, I, I don't take, I don't take it for granted you know um i i mean i i'm i'm human and i'm a female and we have raging hormones and <laughs> i you know i'm not <laughs> i fail all the time and like you know yesterday had a horrible pms and was like i just need nobody to talk to me so i definitely have those like i'm not this like super spiritual saint that like does everything right like no <laughs> very definitely human um, <laughs> I just wanted to throw that out there so good. <laughs> um but your original question where you know how did I believe it and the negative self-talk and all that um like yeah I I I did believe it and I did do a lot of negative self-talk and I spent a lot of years being very sad and very hard on myself and um And I think just, I mean, India will always hold such a special place in my heart because that's when I really learned that I can spend time by myself and it's okay Mm -hmm. to not always run away from your mind and always run away from um, pain and not like it just, it taught me to be in the present and taught me to appreciate the now. It taught me that it's okay to slow down because I was constantly like, I was so regimented, I was so scheduled and it just, it taught me a lot. And I think that's when I first kind of started to undo some of those damages where Mm -hmm. I started to see like the importance in slowing down, the importance in just loving being where you are instead of regretting the past and just wishing for tomorrow it was like appreciating today. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I'm going to be honest, like when I, when I got more into ultra running and just like, I've always loved the mountains when, when we were kids. And as soon as we got to Lake Blaine, like my siblings would go to the roller skating rink or go find their friends or whatever. I go hiking. Like I just loved being in nature. I just loved being by myself. And so getting more into like the ultra running and just, it it gave me also like more, I I guess I I just, it just filled my soul more, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I also met people like one of my super great friends, John Mock. And like, I wanted to run his race. I didn't know him. And I just emailed him and said, Hey, I'm just curious where this, high point is because I want to go run some of the course and he was like oh well I'll take you I was like wait a second you'll go run with me and he's like yeah I'll just I'll meet you on Saturday and we just like started talking and he had been through cancer and I'd been through Lyme disease and we just started like talking about all these things and I was just like like I think saying it out loud to him is I was kind of like I don't view this as a weakness anymore. And I am pretty amazing for overcoming this and being who I am and, 
And he was super positive with being like, you know, I don't want to speak too fast or too soon, but you know, based on what I'm seeing right now, I think you might podium in my race. And I was like, seriously. And he's like, I think you will. So like I took third place and that was like my first podium. And I like, I owe so much to him too, you know, just cause like he, he had belief in me yeah. and then I believed in me. And then like, I realized like, Hey, like I'm, I'm actually, I'm good. Mm-hmm. And, and like, you know, and I, and when I tried to be good, like when I was like, okay, I'm going to really compete. Like it went horribly because <laughs> like, I forgot to love being doing what I, what I love and like talking to people and helping other people. And like, you know, like when my, when my friend did the aid station at speed go and I came through there and he told me after he was like, who is this girl? You come in and you're like laughing and like, you know, making jokes. And he's like, who are you? Everybody else is like, I don't want to go on. Not everybody, but that's just, you know, like I just love being out there and I, I love when my body performs and it like feels good. Like there's days when I'm like, I feel so good today. And I like, I acknowledge that, you know? And I think like, trying to be positive instead of like on the days being like I feel so bad and then you forget about the good days like there's like two days ago I was driving to work and I was like damn I feel good today like this is awesome you know so um I I just I think this this whole journey like just learning to spend time by yourself and learning to love the present and learning to appreciate the now and learning the importance of self-love and starting to positive self-talk you know like I I thought it was kind of bogus at first but um when I started training hills for you know the north face and I I was like I hated hills and so (laughs) I started saying like I love hills I love hills I love hills I love hills and then pretty soon I was like I'm doing pretty good I love hills (laughs) oh I like up hills I'm like uphill that's my strength yeah I got it (laughs) you know (laughs) that's so funny that you say that because I had um, a similar experience and we always like I had a coach in high school and she would say like get really excited about hills and always say I love hills and so that was always a joke to us but it becomes reality when you're actually saying it to yourself and believing it that's so funny and so always saying to yourself like I feel sick I feel sick I feel sick I feel bad I feel bad what do you think you're gonna feel like you're right. going to feel bad. But if you like make yourself, if you tell yourself, like, I feel great, you know, like eventually you tell yourself something long enough, like it becomes your reality. And the limitations that you, the limitations are your head. Like the limitations are your self-belief. Like if you believe you can do something, you can, you know, like it's, it's true. If you believe, if you constantly say, I can't do that, like I'm not strong enough. You're right you know, you're not strong enough. But if you tell yourself, like, I want to try, well, try, you try, do, yes, you can, like, you're, you, like, self-talk is huge, and so many people negative self-talk, and if they just, like, if they just realize the power of positive self-talk, dude, the medicals, it would be out of business, you know? <laughs> For sure. Oh, well, okay, so how do you, like, um, you know, positively self-talk and believe your way through 
building up to like crazy ultra distances. I mean, going from where you were from days where you couldn't get out of bed and then like how, what did the build look like for getting back into racing? Um, well with the, so I did my first marathon and it went horrible and I thought like one and done. Um, but then crazily at that expo, like when I went to go pick up my packet, there was another lady and she's like, Hey, I just signed up for St. George. You should sign up for St. George. So I signed up for St. George then and there. So like after that first marathon went horribly, I couldn't say one and done. Cause before I had even ran another, ran my first one, I had signed up for another one. <laughs> and so that second one went really, really like it went well. Um, and then I was like, wow, like I feel freaking amazing. So I just kept, and then like, I just let's, let's qualify for Boston. So then we qualified for Boston and we just kind of like, I just, you know, it just kind of progressed, progressed. And then I decided to run the first, um, ultra and, you know, it also kind of didn't go super well. I remember like, I couldn't even move, you know, um, after, and I said the same thing one and done. But uh, my mom had told me about a race in Canada and I thought how cool, you know, like to go back and race one in Alberta um, and it was a hundred miler or a team. And mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not going to do a team. Like if I'm going to do the whole thing, like why not? You know? Oh my God. And that one also like freak man, that <laughs> one did. Yeah. Yeah. And you got like third there, didn't you? That was my second time. But like that first race that I went, it was 120 degrees Fahrenheit in Canada. Like never. Oh my that. gosh. It had like less than a 20% finish rate that year. Like it was just, oh my God. um, and that race just like, it chewed me up and spit me out. And just like, I was like, I lost so much sleep over that race that I just like, I, I said, I need to go back and conquer that. Right. So that became my goal. And so I just like would do little races leading up. And then I just freaking fell in love between that. And then I went back that second year, shaved five hours off my time, took third place. Oh my. And I was like, had a whole new found love, you know, um, the, the 200s, like I was kind of like, <laughs> somebody had asked me, I think I, I found out about the first 200 in some like magazine. I saw pictures of these guys like sleeping on a cot. And my <laughs> friend was like, you're not going to do that. Right. And I was like, oh yeah, I will do one you know, and she's like, you're nuts. And so then like with Moab, I kind of wanted to do Moab, um, last year because I, I kept hearing like podcasts and that's what I'm saying. Like I just I hear things and it gets planted and I was like, mm -hmm. I need to, and then I was kind of like super intimidated by 240 miles, you know? And then I was like, talked, I met, I met another person randomly and we started talking and I was like, you know, he's a huge, super 200 guy. And he's like, dude, you're going to love it. Like, it's so much better than hundreds. And, you know, and so like, <laughs> I was still super intimidated. Like when talking to my friend Raj and he's like, are you intimidated by like 240 miles? It's like, hell yeah. Who would it be? Yeah, I know. You wouldn't. You know? <laughs> my gosh. And people are like, how are you even like wrapping your head around this? And I'm like, I'm going to view it as a hundred. 
because that I can wrap my head around. And then I'm just going to do 350s. <laughs> I'm going to approach it like in very tangible chunks that I can. Tangible. You know, (laughs) I remember I had a hard time at mile 140 at that aid station because I know how hard a hundred is. And I was like, I have a hundred miles more, you know, I couldn't let myself think about it too much. It was just like, you know, one, one day at a time, one aid station at a time, one section at a time and have freaking fun. And I had so much freaking fun at that race. Like the first mile 40 to 75 not fun like I got sick and it was not fun and I was really like oh crap like my race is over but I was like nope just slow down you got tons of time you know don't worry about place this is your race just do you you know like this was you had this plan well you gotta scratch that you're sick girl like you you gotta sleep you gotta you know um And so it was just like, I had amazing pacers, like amazing. It was just like, it was, I, I probably, cause I was kind of, um, I didn't hallucinate, but I was probably delirious. Like, (laughs) you know, we were, I was cracking jokes. I was belting out music. Like it, it was a freaking rock party, you know, like it was in, they would, um, the one, my one pacer, Bobby, he's like, you know, I have this tradition that no matter the distance, we will drink, I will drink a Red Bull halfway through that distance. And because I mentioned that I, I was like, dude, we're going to do lots of Red Bull. Like that's, what's going to keep me going. Um, and so then each of my pacers were like, Hey, we're doing this. Like we're having a Red Bull halfway through every distance. And it was just, it was just a lot of fun. Um, um, I, I should also mention the last, the last 20 miles were not super fun. <laughs> really hard and my feet, my feet are always gonna be my nemesis like they just hurt all the time and I knew that going in like I knew your feet my, my feet yeah okay. I do not have a runner's feet so I have duck feet and I it's just yeah but um I don't I I just I broke it into tangible chunks and had a lot of fun and I didn't care about place I just wanted to get her done and enjoy the time there my my mom was freaking oh she's such a good crew chief like just unbelievable she's so so amazing that she would come from Canada and do that for me and it was awesome the first aid station that I came into what that she was like the major one was mile 72 72 75 um and I was like I'm sick. And she knew like my mom is, she's usually at every race, like for COVID, I did my first hundred mile without her. So, um, she's just, she's really great. She knows like she tracks and she's like, Oh, something's wrong because I wasn't like, I was on my times. I'm, I'm pretty consistent. Like I'm, I'm pretty good with being on my times. Um, and so like, when I didn't come in, she, she knew something was, something was up. And so when I came in, she was like, what's happened is like, yeah, I, I'm, I've got, I got sick. Like I got behind my hydration. It was really hot. Um, vomiting is also my nemesis. Like I just have a bad stomach. Um, and so when I came in there, I was like, I need to sleep. And so I was like, I'm going to sleep for 30 minutes. Uh, so I went in and 
you know, they were kind of like getting in and out of the car. And then she realized she's like, no, when Jess says she needs to sleep, we need to shut all the car doors, all the hatches and just go away, let her sleep. But she would never go too far because, um, what ended up happening is after that first one, I'd be like, Hey, I'm going to sleep for this long. And I, my body would wake up. And so I would like knock on the hatch and she would open it. And I'd be like, Hey, and she's like, it's time. And I was like, yep. How long was that? And then she would tell me, he's like, Hey, well, my body wants to go. So let's go. You know? So a lot of times I wouldn't even sleep for the full time that, that I said I was going to sleep for this amount of time or whatever. Um, but she was just, she was just so great with like, she, my mom, she's like had the caring aspect. Right. And she had that, the, okay, you, what you need right now is not to be like, like I push myself enough. I don't need somebody to be like, get out of here, get out of here, get out of here. You know, like it was like, what do you need? Well, you got to take care of your feet. We got to, you know, like, okay. You know, I'd come in and say, I want you to make this soup and this coffee. And, and I'd put like coconut whipped cream on top and they would give me like the sugar and the, the fat and like, and then, you know, the energy. And so she'd make that for me all the time. And you know, like the first aid station, I was like, I need this, I need this. And she'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, just, I don't know how to, I'm sorry. I'm like, mom, stop apologizing. Slow down. It's okay. This is what we need, you know? And then <laughs> why am I apologizing? Like, you know, like, it was just like, we learned, we learned that first aid station, like we're going to communicate. We're a team. And she was just, she was just solid. Like she was just so, so great. You know, when I came into that that aid station at like mile 175, 180, something like that. Um, I was like, I need to, I'm going to sleep here. And, you know, she's like, I think you should sleep for a half an hour. And because, you know, you play this next section, right. And this, this race is yours because you were stronger than all those other girls behind you. And I was like, okay. You know, but then my body woke up and I like knocked and I probably slept for like 15 minutes. Right. Mm-hmm. And she never, she never was like, Jesse said 30 minutes. Like she listened to me, you know, and she was, she was encouraging and she was caring and she was, you know, like we just, my whole team, you know, even when at like, when I came into Shea mountain, and we're all laughing, like having a, like laughing. And my Tom is like massaging out my legs and like rubbing my feet. And Bobby's like taping blisters and like, you know, and I just looked at my mom and said, I, ha- I have the best team. And she's like, I know you have like, this is like, you, it couldn't get any better than this. And I was like, yeah. And it just kind of, you know, it, and I didn't even like my friend, Tom, he actually asked me if he could pace me. And I was like, what you want to, you want, you don't run ultras. You want to pace me? It's like, yeah, dude, I'll run, I'll run Moab through the night with you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and the one pacer that I did ask, he ended up dropping. And so then Tom's like, well, Hey, I got this buddy and he was supposed to do bad water. And, um, he didn't, it didn't work like bad water. It got canceled. So if you need somebody else. And I was like, sure. I could use another pacer. Like I'd never met Bobby before. I'd never ran with Bobby before I'd ran with Tom once. Like he was my, he was like my, um, active release, dry needling chiropractor therapist guy. Right. We're just friends. Like we don't run together. 
And then my other friend, Aaron was like, Hey, if you ever need help, Moab. And I was like, Aaron, you're up. (laughs) (laughs) Like Aaron was my road marathon friend from like years ago, you know? And then, um, John mock, I mean, he's, he's always going to be there for me, but with his, um, cancer history, like when I first gone in, I was like, Hey, John, I'd love for you to be my pacer, but I understand COVID you got to make that decision. I want you to know, I'd love nothing more for you to be there, but I completely understand if you can't. And so like a couple weeks leading up, he was like, yeah, I, I can be there for you. And so he came and did the last 40, which is fantastic. Cause that's amazing amazing friend so it honestly was just like it was it was the best combination and I just I I could be more grateful for all the people that came out and helped me support and honestly the coolest thing was like when I finished that when I crossed the finish line and after like I talked to Candace and did all that and I like turned my phone on I was freaking blown away by how many like positive messages i had people from other countries that i didn't even know like cheering me on and it like brings tears to my eyes now i was just like you know i've read your story i'm a survivor too and like you're almost there go 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 and just like you know i was like oh my gosh like this is just so cool it was so cool yeah it was, I, moab will just forever hold like such a special place in my heart, you know, like I won Bighorn, I won Bryce, um, Mm -hmm. I won Red Mountain 55k, like I've had other wins, but Moab was just like, I pushed through so much stuff, and I had to problem solve so much. And I had such great support both on and off the course. And it was just like, it, it will always just be special, special, special to me. And if I never win anything else, I'll always have Moab. Like, it'll always, like, just be this, you know, amazing accomplishment for me. Oh, 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 it's incredible. I mean, I cannot... it's mind blowing to, well, Steph, you already used that word earlier, but this whole thing is mind blowing. And I mean, okay, 240 miles, you ran it in eight hour, 80 hours, 80 hours, nine minutes, 42 seconds. It's that, yeah, no crap. You pushed yourself through a lot because you just, that's just so much time. I'm just like, it, it's just, it's incredible. Congratulations. I mean, yeah, seriously. So cool. And that finish line feeling like makes me want to cry too, because <laughs> of just thinking about what that was like and how did it like really compare to like a 100 miler, you know, like, is it much crazier and cooler than a 100 miler? They're different. Um, Mm -hmm. definitely. I mean, right now, like I love the two hundreds and I'm signed up for Tahoe 200 and Mm -hmm. I'm going to do that. Um, and I think because like, it doesn't intimidate me anymore, but the 200s, I feel like for me, the longer the distance, the better I do because I can problem solve more. Right. And so like, I feel like with the marathon, you blow up and you lose some time and it's going to really affect your finish time. 
but like in a 200 you have you get sick for 30 miles you can barely move because you're going to throw up like then I can make that time up right so um and there's just there's a lot more planning there's a lot more problem solving there's a lot more pain there's (laughs) much more pain like you push through the mental barrier of how in the freak can my body do this well your body can you know like it's it's incredible what your body can do for you our bodies are so freaking amazing you know Mm -hmm. Um, so I I'm really really intrigued to see how my next hundred how I will feel about my next hundred when I do it because Mm -hmm. now that you know where a hundred miles used to feel really really long and now that I've done 240 I'm wondering how that because 50 miles used to be intimidating to me and now 50 miles can be a training run for me, right? Like the Wasatch course used to be super intimidating to me. Well, I ran the Wasatch course on when they didn't have the race. Like I just went out and ran it because I was like, this is great training for Moab. And I did it so that I could be sleep deprived. And I started it at 8 PM one night so that I could feel that second night to be ready for Moab. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was like, what numbers used to be intimidating for me aren't necessarily intimidating. It's just one foot in front of the other. And it's just riding the highs, embracing the lows, and just know that you're going to fluctuate. You're going to go up, you're going to go down. And it's, that's life too. You just, the limitations we put on ourselves are within our, our head. Like we're doing it to ourselves and our body is so much capable, more capable of the things that we give credit for, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, so I think they're different. The hundred is faster. You know, you got to push. Like hundreds, I'm in and out of those aid stations, right? Like if I'm in there longer than five minutes, like something's wrong. Like I got to get out of there. Um, Moab, I was at those aid stations for 20 minutes to an hour because I'm like, if I don't fix my feet now, mm-hmm. I'm going to have major problems, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, I got to fix my feet. I got to take in some solid food. Like, you know, I, and I can't just, I can't just grab my food and be on the run because that's not good for my stomach. And I know that about myself, So I need to sit here. I need to eat the soup. I need to drink this coffee. I need to like, you know, um, change my socks, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think my next 200 will be a little bit better too, because now that I've done it, I, I think I have, even though I think we did a really, really, really good job. I think I have a a pretty good idea of like my major mistakes Mm -hmm. and what to improve on. Um, for future races. Mm -hmm. And I just think that every time you're out there and every time you learn more about yourself, you're just making yourself stronger. Right. Mm -hmm. And even if that's not physically, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. I'm 42. I'm only getting older and I'm racing against people that are in their twenties and even in their teens, you know, there's not a whole lot of teens doing hundreds, but, um, (laughs) you know, but meaning like my body's getting older. And so am I more mentally tough? Absolutely. But like, my body doesn't recover as fast as like, and I'm, I'm not as fast as the 20, 30 year olds, you know, mm-hmm. um, but every race makes you stronger mentally mm-hmm. and it gives you the confidence to do more. Like, like I said, I'm not intimidated by marathons. I'm not intimidated by fifties. I'm not intimidated by hundreds. And now that I've done 240, like I'm not intimidated by two hundreds. Cause it's just, it's just one problem solved to the next is one aid station to the next. And you can't think about zero to 200. You have to think about, you know, and I listened to, um, I think it was Carl Metzer that taught me this. 
break it into chunks, Mm -hmm. like break it into 10 mile chunks, break it into five mile chunks. And that's tangible. Like, okay, I just got through that 10 minutes or that 10 miles. What am I going to do for the next 10 miles? What am I going to do for the next 10 miles? Like you just break it into chunks. And then pretty soon you're at like mile 236 and you're (laughs) dying and you feel like I can't go on anymore. I'm so hot. I don't have water. Like just die here, you know? And then John's like, yeah, but you know, you're going to see that finish line and you're mm-hmm. going to, you're, you're going to get that energy. You're going to do it. You know, like, I know, but really, does it really matter if I'm at <laughs> 79 hours or if I'm at 80 hours? And what I wish you would have said was, gosh, dang it. Yes, it does. Now go. You know, <laughs> my goal was like, I really want to finish under 80 hours. And if I, there's, there's so many little things that I could have changed to, to take time off, but that's okay. It still worked out really well. And I'm super proud of it. So yeah, you did so good. Oh my gosh. And Uh, so I'm wondering, because like, what does your body do now? Like, what did it look like after Moab 240? And I mean, even because you said like, you still have your struggles and your body still um, acts up on you. How, how does it react to some, some huge effort? Like, 80 hours of running um surprisingly it did so good Good. so much that that first night um I woke up and my feet didn't sting and I had slept that I felt like oh my gosh did I just destroy all the nerves and am I going to be able to walk (sighs) like I literally thought like I was afraid to get out of bed like I thought that was like I think I paralyzed myself or something like I don't feel pain, you know? Um, and my body like freaking recovered so well. And I feel too, that like my fitness has also improved. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like, I think my body was constantly recovering, going, recovering, going. So I think like my body got stronger, you know? Um, so I mean, two to three, what did happen two to three weeks after I was, I was the, I was so tired. Like I was really tired. My fatigue took a while. Um, I would just be in the middle of a run and just be like ravishingly hungry, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm so hungry. And this is like three to four weeks after. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I wake up in the morning and I have to eat something before I run where normally I wouldn't. Um, and just, just, I'm tired, I'm fatigued and, you know, like, but I, I, I think I only took maybe five days off. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't take oh a my time off. That's crazy. Um, cause I was like, we went, my mom and I went to bright, my mom and my daughter and I went to Bryce and I was like, I want to run Bryce. So I think like, the next weekend I did like a eight mile run through Bryce, you know, like I just felt, felt fine. Yeah. You know? I think it was that, it was that delayed fatigue of when I got back in, like we had fall break, which was a blessing. And then I got back into teaching and teaching is just exhausting this year. And so I was just like really tired. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it, it, it's pretty, it's pretty good. Like, I mean, yeah, I constantly have digestive issues and it's just something that like, 
some days I have really bad days and some days I have good days and I'm like, oh, this was a good day or this is a bad day. And, you know, like yesterday was a really bad day. And it was just kind of like you have those really bad days. And it's like, but this bad day isn't nearly as bad as it used to be. So suck it up. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I, admire, I admire that you can still like have those bad days and not let that scare you so much to not try like a race. Like what if a race comes on a bad day, but it's like, you're so positive. And I just, I really, um, I'm really impressed by like, it, it, it's just, I don't know. I mean, distances are intimidating no matter what, like, especially new distances longer than you've ever gone before. But especially if you, you know, if you've had the health history that you've had, um, I don't know. It's just really inspiring. It is. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't imagine. I mean, I love that you, I feel like you're just a hurdle comes and you figure out how to get over it. Like you're always just, you're going through life, even though you do have those bad days and you're making the best out of it. And it's like Nikki said, so inspiring. Mm-hmm. Then- well, I'll, say, I'll just say one more thing. Cause I know we're, we're like going long, but uh, <laughs> I almost hung up my shoes in June. Oh. I'll say that. Like I had really, my Lyme disease markers were up. Um, my body was not doing well. I was throwing up every single race, like every single race. It was really, really, really bad. And I almost hung them up. And uh, I'm going to say if it probably wasn't for Ben Light, I probably would have said I'm not doing Moab. Because after I did Tushers, and that was like one of the sickest times I had been, I texted Ben and I said, Ben, I don't think I can do Moab. And he's like, why? And I said, I can't not throw up. And he said, well, you didn't throw up when you were with us. And I was like, well, that's because it wasn't hot. And he was like, well, Moab's not a summer race. You'll be all right. And I was like, okay. It's like, you can do this. Like, you're right. It's not a summer race. It'll be all right. And then the first day I'm throwing up and I'm like, ah, (laughs) but it's like, yeah. So I do have those moments. I'm like, I said, I'm not perfect. I'm not a saint. I'm not this like super bubble of positivity. Like, there's a reason they made that, that movie sadness with, you know, the girl's emotions because every emotion's needed. Every emotion. Mm-hmm. I, I'm nice. just a believer. Like if you're angry, freaking be angry. And if you're sad, be sad. And you know, like I cry on commercials, like I'm the <sighs> biggest boob, like, you know, because I believe that emotions are there to be felt mm-hmm. and it felt in all their entirety. Ugh. So like when, like, because if, if you, think you have to be happy all the time and constantly put on that face or whatever. Like you're only fooling yourself, you Mm. know? So I, I really relate to that because I'm like a very like hard on my sleeve, you know, when something's wrong, my dad is the exact same way. He is like the mushy one out of my parents. So he does the same thing, but it's hard when people tell you like, well, you just got to put on a brave face. And at times you do, but there's times when I'm like, okay, I'm not happy right now. And I love that you're just like, yep, that you have to have all your feelings and they're real and human. And that's just the way it is. I don't think there's any room in life for like surface level 
like two like positive fake putting on a fake um facade like no there's no room for that this is real life like we're all experiencing like very real things yeah especially this year (laughs) i'm just i don't have any (laughs) and it's been so fun hearing your story and just just getting to know you. I mean, mm-hmm. You're so incredible. Oh, and I want to make sure that we, we're going to link to your book in the show notes. Okay. Um, your book, Jesse's book is called defying the odds mm-hmm. and you can get it on Amazon. So we want to make sure we say that. And then also where can any, can people follow you anywhere else, Jesse? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at Jesse Morton Langhaug and then on Facebook, uh, okay. Jessalyn Morton Langhaug as well. Okay. okay. Cool. Perfect. And then, so, um, order name for Instagram. <laughs> like I'm so not like social media person. So, yeah. Jesse Morton Langhaug. <laughs> hey, I love it. It's great. It's who you are. It's good. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So real quick before we go, we'll ask you two questions. One, although I think I maybe can guess what was the favorite, what was your favorite race you ever ran? Yeah, Moab for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we figured. <laughs> um, it seems like too much of a, like a soul experience to like yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then the second one is what is your favorite go-to healthy meal that you eat or make with your family? So my favorite is quinoa with, you can put lentils or garbanzo beans with sauteed uh, chard and kale Mm. and topped with feta, uh, cherry tomatoes. Sometimes I add beets in there. Sometimes I add sweet potatoes in there. I can always feel like if I'm low energy, I'm like, God, I get my greens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jesse. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah. You guys too. It was super fun. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you. I sat um, this entire call with Jesse in awe of everything that she has gone through. Like I, I think after our call ended and we stopped recording, I told her, I said, I could just sit and listen to you talk about everything that you went through for hours. We could continue this conversation forever. Mm -hmm. It's just such an incredible story. And she is, I mean, they told her that she couldn't even run a marathon. Like she wouldn't be able to do the stuff that she loved doing and, now she's won Moab 240. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. insane. Yep. Yeah. She has not let her let limitations that other people have put on her and that her body has very really put on her as well. I mean, oh, because sure. she's gone through so, so much, um, so many different symptoms like within her body, but she doesn't let limitations that other people have put on her stop her from doing amazing things from keeping going um she has been through so much but you can tell like her her history she's really like built the skills that one needs for ultra running and she's such a strong overcomer i love the hope that she gives to other people that might be struggling um with similar issues and I still don't know how she finds time to be a teacher 
and train for 240 miles and write a book and be a mom. It's very impressive. Oh, yeah. Um, And I also really, one thing that really stuck with me was just her message on Mm self-love, too. Um, We can all use a little bit more of that in our life and really, like, feeling all our emotions and, and just kind of a general, like, changing our mindset. Like believing we can do it. If we can believe we can do it, then we can do it. And so it was a great, it was a really fun episode to be a part of. And if you, if you liked this conversation, please subscribe to this podcast. Subscribe to Treeline Journal's newsletter, which is found at treelinejournal.com, which is one, you get one email a week for latest articles and podcast episodes and you can follow us on instagram at run hard mom hard pod you can send us an email um at run hard mom hard at gmail.com or you can click the anchor link in the show notes below and send us a voice message and we would love to hear from you on any platform (laughs) we will try to get back to you as soon as we can sometimes we have some mom brain and for Nikki pregnancy brain that we <laughs> slip a little bit but we're trying and we love hearing from our listeners so yes we're hoping that you are having a great December running hard and training hard and I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um keep running hard and momming hard for sure I get all the kids' presents. I get all the stockings, whatever. And then um, mine's always empty. <laughs> I know. Or maybe I'll put something that I bought for myself in it. Like, yeah. oh, here's a chapstick. <laughs> <laughs> I do the same thing. Enjoy. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs>